Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's you, Sparky. 5 or 12.50 a.m. The fan in beautiful Milwaukee, Wisconsin, along with, oh, well, it's annoying Milwaukee, Wisconsin currently, but uh, Dwight Albright, Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin. Phil Brilo hanging out uh, as well. $2 Phil, as you know him. Follow him on Twitter uh, at uh, Bruce City Bowling. Follow Dwight at Dewey 300. You can follow me at Sparky Radio. And uh, the PBA Tour was in town, uh, Wauwatosa, all last week at uh, Bolero Lanes for the World Series of Bowling. You'll see the animal pattern uh, shows coming up this week each night, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and is that it, right? That's it, Monday, Monday Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. right. Uh, so uh, if you guys are looking for something to do, head on down to uh, uh, Wauwatosa. If you're in the Milwaukee area, check out uh, the different animal pattern shows. We'll preview those for you coming up, who's on the TV shows Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But first, we have to recap uh, the World Series of Bowling USA versus World uh, match uh, and get into that. Uh, so before I, I do that, I got to tell you guys a, a quick story uh, over the weekend. So uh, yesterday, uh, Sunday, I'm recording this on Monday, uh, I was at home and I had Bucks at 4.30 in the afternoon, right? So I had to watch that game and then do the green and growing post game podcast afterwards. So I was just at home in the afternoon, catching up on Saturday night show. Um, and then I was, I was a little bit into the actual show on Sunday, like an hour in. Um, and the seven-year-old was like losing his mind. He's like, we got to go bowling. Like, let's go bowling. I've been bowled <laughs> since league. It's been like two weeks. Like yeah. I want to go bowling. So me and his mom were like, all right. So at classic lanes in Oak Creek, they have $12. All you can bowl for two hours or whatever else case may be starting at one o'clock. So we go down there. It's packed. I mean, there's birthday parties. There's like three or four lanes open total. So we get on a lane, right? I haven't picked up a bowling ball three years, four years. I don't know. It's been a long time. <laughs> so I get to find the bowling balls. I go down there, right? We go out to the, the lanes. Uh, and, you know, the seven-year-old's talking crap to me uh, <laughs> to me and Kay about how he's going to beat both of us. You have a bold forever, right? Trash talk he doesn't even remember seven. bowling. With, he kind of yeah. remembers bowling with with Kay a few years ago, uh, but not really. Uh, so first game, I shot like buck 50, something like that. So then the second game, I was like, okay, I, I figured out what I'm doing. I'm good. I throw the first nine Jeez. in the second. Oh, wow. On. I throw the first nine in the second game, right? And then I went Sean Rash, and I felt so bad about it. <laughs> what, did you balk? No, I didn't balk, <laughs> but I forgot I was supposed to be doing a hit on a show on the BetQL radio network okay. <laughs> uh, at this time. Oh. <laughs> and I was in my approach, 
when I'm you started to think about this. My tag ball. No, my <laughs> phone starts ringing, oh, oh. starts vibrating in my pocket, in my brain. I'm like, oh crap! I'm supposed to be on the radio while I'm in my back swig. Yeah, no. Yanked oh. just a little bit, left a split first ball oh, in the 10. Picked man. up the phone as I was walking back. I'm like, yeah, hold on one sec. I put it down, missed the split. Walked back, told them what happened, and then they talked about it on the radio. But I was like, oh, my God. I was into idiot. one of those could have been, should have been 300. Yeah. yeah, idiot. Well, that, that was pretty funny. I thought that was pretty funny. I was like, wow, that was not very mentally tough spark. Uh, all right, so uh, USA versus the World uh, was the, the matchup. And, again, two shows here, right? So. Mm-hmm. You got to see the singles matchups, 1v1, and then you got to see the doubles and then the team uh, on Sunday. Okay, so first, let's talk about the formatics of this. Did we like the format of how this thing played out? I loved it. Um, It reminded me of Ryder Cup. It Um, was kind of like that, yeah. Or when we were in the stands. Sunday, we were the people around us were talking about that it had a similar feel to Ryder Cup, that the USA, even though they were down 5 nothing, which we'll talk about uh, shortly, we were still in it if we could win a couple of the matches on Sunday and yep. win the team match yep. on Sunday. So you're not out until the very end. But it had a very Ryder Cup feel, and again, I thought it was brilliant. The format was brilliant. Yeah, I guarantee you Tom Clark and everybody in that production truck for Fox Sports was holding their breath with that uh, yes. second alternate shot doubles match going, please, USA, yes. do something. Don't yes. let this be a wrap after this match. Right, and, yeah. Because you know, Tommy we were, and Kyle pulled it out. So. We were saying around us, well, what happens if they w- win the alternate match? Then do they even do the team match? I'm assuming they have to, but the points will be for null. Right. Right. Correct. Yeah. There was a contingency plan in place for what would happen. And it's, uh, it still would have been exciting. It just wouldn't have been for the cup, but there was still something in there. So this is, planned. this is the thing, right? When Major League Baseball uh, and Bud Selig, who does not get talked about enough about this, when he created the World Baseball Classic uh, during spring training years ago, everybody said it was hokey, it was stupid, nobody was going to care about it. And the reason Bud did it was because baseball wasn't a thing in the Olympics, really. Uh, so he wanted something to kind of let these guys who, and baseball is a mixed bag, right? you got people from all different countries in baseball. So he builds the World Baseball Classic. And I went to the first or the second year, to a USA game uh, at uh, where the Diamondbacks play in Arizona yeah. and they were playing Mexico and the atmosphere for that. And it wasn't to level it is now was still really cool. There were a bunch of people uh, going crazy and all of that. And now you read stories from all these different guys that are involved in the world baseball classic. They talk about the intensity level and how cool it is and how much the fans are more into that than they are any type of regular season game or anything like that, that they're going to play maybe even more than a playoff game and how all these guys, Mookie Betts, you know, yep. who of course the PBA knows talking about how it was like, it was one of the coolest things he's ever done yeah. and just loves it. Right. So that was the major league baseball a try at it. We've been trying something like that now in bowling. They do something like that in golf to a certain degree. For me, I think it's very, very difficult to ask a fan base to get behind something like this, USA versus world, when mostly everybody's favorite bowler is Jason Belmonte and he's on the other damn team. Like, this is tough, right? I'm coming to see my guy Belmo bowl and wait, you want me to root against him? Are you nuts? I mean, that to me is tough when it's USA versus world or whatever they call it in golf. 
Tiger Woods is still on USA. Right. I can still root for USA because yeah. Tiger's on my team. Yeah. Phil Mickelson is on my team. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we just don't have a Belmont. So you don't, you yeah. don't, you don't got that yeah. with bowling. You don't have that, which makes this a difficult situation. I think for the fans, you were there, Dwight, uh, mm-hmm. on Sunday. What did you think? Uh, I Belmont got one of the loudest applause. Of course. Oh. You know, I mean, people love him. You know, and I, I, I said it last week after meeting him at Howler House. He's larger than life. He has a way of, uh, and my daughter's starting to pick up that. I said, he has a different aura to him. And my daughter's like, you're right. There's just something different about him. And it's the same with Jesper with the younger, with the really younger kids now. He's got to shave that. Beard. I mean, <laughs> there's like, I mean, there were a couple of Jesper, Jesper jerseys in the crowd on Saturday. And it's, you know, even though he's a quiet personality, nice man. it's, yeah, yeah that's the thing. The kids coming. just love the, 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 the tall, lanky. Lefty, and he just makes those the pins tattoos. fly even more than Belmo. Yeah, and yeah. like you said, it's not just Belmo, but then you got another player like Svensson that kids love, and all of a sudden you got to root against him. And you know, we, I, yeah. I talked to the the world team after the press conferences, and I said I, I may get in trouble for saying this. I said, but the crowd just didn't really seem like they could get into the matches. And Belmo kind of said, "Well, yeah, they the U.S. didn't strike early. We did, and they kind of, we kind of took him out of it a little bit in a lot of cases. Absolutely, he's but right. They've been. To, you know, I've seen Weber Cup." competitions and the crowd you know the crowd can get a little ram bucks there let, let's talk about something real quick okay ej Tackett choked the hell out of that weekend choked the hell out of it yeah he i mean he, in singles he ran all the way down his leg in the one match yeah and then they get to the next they get to doubles he does the same thing again now he did have a shot when we got to team yeah. but for the most part he wasn't very good at all and he was your guy or he should have been your guy yes that you yeah. were relying on and he didn't bowl well look tommy jones is old okay i'm old i feel mm. okay saying he's old yeah. he's old yeah. but with the youngins tommy yes. jones whatever troop and Tackett, those are your two yeah. guys and simonson probably to a oh, certain yeah. degree right so those are your three guys and Tackett didn't do his deal. I mean, I don't want to put it all on EJ and say, oh, you're the reason they lost, but you didn't live up to your end of the bargain. You were supposed to be our Belmonte for Team USA. It didn't happen, Phil. Yeah, he hung in there in the singles match with Dom till the ninth frame, and then all of a sudden, you know, just pulled it a little. Greek church, there you go. That one pretty much ended it right there. And well, doubles match, same thing. He just couldn't find a way to carry on a couple of shots and and and. You, you can't let players, you, know, you can't let Jesper Svensson get any advantage. Yeah. Didn't he miss match. a spare too? Swenson, oh yeah. Yeah, I, and I, he I missed a spare. Chopped, I know he chopped the yes, 6 10 in the yeah. team match. Right. Yeah. Yep. He, again, okay, he, I don't he, carry a 10 pin. That's one thing. Right. Yeah. He's chopping spares, man. The, the, that's, yeah. to me, that's another part of this is yeah. your best player didn't look like your best player. Yeah. In the crowd again, uh, what we noticed was number one, where were the tour reps? There were no tour reps. Everyone was talking about that. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. 
Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. EJ never tried another ball either. He stayed with the same ball, which I found interesting. Um, out of all the shows, it was just still that Venom Shock. Well, he, and he had a couple different ones back there with, with little different drillings. It wasn't the same one, but there, there, there were little tweaks to it, sure. But it's a ball that he thought was going to be good for the pattern, and apparently that didn't happen. No. Okay, let's so. talk about the ball to arrest. Yeah, since, since you brought this up. I didn't miss y'all at all. That didn't bother me in the least <laughs> bit not seeing y'all. Right. Didn't bother me at all. Because this, this, for me, I was watching this, and I didn't even think about ball tour reps until Phil brought it up to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess they weren't there. Because in my mind, yeah. I was like, you got some of the best bowlers in the world. Yeah. They're all sitting on the bench together talking to one another. Yep. You would think they would be helping one another. Like, dude, right. maybe you want to make a ball switch here. Or maybe you want to throw this line. I know they were communicating. You could hear Cooley and Don Barrett talking about moving lines and doing stuff like that. So there was definitely communication. Clearly not as good as what a ball rep would get, I guess. Uh, but as a fan watching, it didn't bother me. It, it didn't bother me. We were just wondering where they were. I also thought Belmo made better choices, was a better captain. Um, there was quite a bit of conversation. I don't know if Phil knows what it was before the show started, but he was in John Weber's face before the match started uh, for the doubles and singles on Sunday. We were all wondering what was going on because it looked like it was quite heated. Um, I don't know if it was a lane choice. He was talking to John Weber about lane choice being the that he won the show down at Howler House. Uh, we had no, you know, we were speculating. We had no idea what it could possibly be about. That's why we were hoping yeah. for an inside scoop on you. Yeah, no, but I was away from the situation when that happened. So I whispered in my daughter's ear, brilliant having Swenson as the lone lefty. Where was our lefty? Where was our urethane? Was the comments, um, number one. And then number two, that he made him anchor. Well, you got to remember, after the captains were picked, they, each captain had one pick that wasn't based on season-long points. And Belmo went with Jesper. He knew something that everybody else did from because obviously at that point in time, Jesper hadn't made a show in a couple of years with, other than the stuff you get TV invites for. Okay. Um, yeah, Belmo knew something the rest of the world didn't at that point in time, I whether thought... it was just being left-handed or yeah. and the caliber of player that Jesper is. Who was uh, our was good... captain's pick then? Uh, our captain's pick was points. Simo. Okay. And that was a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah. You can't argue again. We were just wondering why Buttruff wasn't part of the four. Wasn't uh, the last two spots in each team were filled by season long points to that point. So Don Barrett had a good early part of the season. Sam Cooley won a tournament title in Springfield, Missouri. So they were high enough in the, in the tour points after the tournament champions that they were the world representatives. And it was the same thing for EJ and Kyle. So EJ has had a really good season. Kyle's been under the radar with a really good season. I mean, making TV shows and majors. Yeah. Kyle's had a really solid season, and he's just, I hate to say, outshone by three other guys. But, yeah, I mean, it, when you got Belma winning another major, you got EJ making a ton of shows, and, and Simo top-tenning everything prior to the World Series of Bowling. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, uh, my daughter and I thought that Swenson, though, was the BIP, BP MVP of the shows by far. Um, I, I think he struck all but a couple shots. Uh, never had an open. Um just amazing to watch. We were five feet away from him. We're right next to him. You know, just um, uh, things I picked up was that uh, he has so many revs on the ball or he, his track is so high that he clips an edge of one of the finger holes. So you can kind of hear it kind of go boom, 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 as it's going down the mm-hmm. lane. Uh, but I don't know if that's his high rev rate, but 
or how close he tracks to the gripping holes. But yeah. uh, I, at least on screen, he was around 560 for our PM rate, where the other guys were at 460 at the most. So he had another 100 revolutions on the ball compared to anyone else in that show. Well, once again, the ability to use urethane on a 44-foot pattern like he did, it keeps the control in place. So where some of these guys are making errant shots and 3-6-10ing or worse, you didn't see that out of Jesper. If he missed by a board, it was maybe a three-pin. Yes. Or that type of thing. I mean, there weren't many multi-pin combinations for Jesper all weekend well, long. That was what was going through my mind was where was Purple Hammer urethanes for the U.S.? Why were they focused so much on resin and playing inside? Because of the amount of traffic on that side of the lane. The amount of traffic on the right side. The where. Yeah, it's just... You you just you could get away with it for a little while, and all of a sudden you'd have to make that jump, and nobody really wanted to do that. Apparently, the game plan was to just Turn keep the it, middle. yeah, and make it happen from there. I did enjoy Chris Barnes uh, on yes. the broadcast. I, I think that was well. Anytime uh, you have Chris Barnes on a broadcast, I think you're pretty happy with that. Yeah, uh, as a bowling fan, listening to Chris Barnes on the call, observations of a couple of other dudes. You you know Cooley far better than I know Cooley. Mm-hmm. I've never talked to Sam Cooley in my yeah. life. I, I don't know anything about Sam Cooley. He's a little different, huh? <laughs> he's, just... he's a little robotic and like <laughs> yeah, there's robot. not a lot. I mean, you saw a little bit of motion on one shot where he said something and pumped his fist. Yeah. But outside of that, like there wasn't much phase in that dude. Like he he wasn't really smiling about nothing. He was just straight face on a yep. man on a mission, and yep. there just wasn't. I mean, I, to me, I watch him like, dude, this dude here, he is like I, intense. Like, I got a great he, nickname for him. There's the, like nothing. The, the silent assassin. Yeah, that may be it. <laughs> yeah, because there, there wasn't much going on there. Like right. I said, you know, so you know his yeah. personality, but that was about as locked in as a, as far as emotionless as you could see from somebody. Yeah, I mean, he's basically, it's like the Terminator, man. Once he gets on the lane, <laughs> you don't know if it's frame one of game one or frame 10 of game 60. Right. Yeah, you re- Like it was on Friday night. I mean, he stepped up Friday night needing to, to punch a couple of shots in the ninth and 10 frames to make that shark show. And he went out and did it. And he knew what he needed to do. Is he like that in qualifying around. too? Yeah. Holy crap. It's, and he's very quiet and soft spoken. Yeah. Uh, off the lanes, he's very personable. Don't get me wrong; he's personal. He's just when you, when you talk to him, he's very short and to the point. The one thing that he does like talking about uh, is his friends and family back home because he's got he has so much support back home in Australia. You know, as soon as he got done, he was supposed to be standing up at a friend's wedding this weekend. Oh man, in Australia, and he's like, you know, I've got the World Series of Bowling. The friend understood, and as soon as. Uh, Sam got done Friday night. He goes, my phone went off. He goes, and my friend, he goes, I was screaming like a little girl at home watching on bowl TV when you got that strike. That's you know? awesome. So, so it's, you know, you can see the smile on Sam's face then and stuff. He's just, he's there to, he's there for the business, man. He, mm-hmm. he wants to be, he doesn't, he knows Belmo for years. Obviously he's been Belmo's teammate. He was Belmo's teammate in world cup competition last year. And he just wants to make his own name for himself. He doesn't want to be that other Australian bowler. Mm-hmm. He wants to be Sam Cooley, and he's working his ass off to do it. Getting uh, not being drafted for the for the PBA league in 2022, and he had a pretty decent season in 2022. That pissed him off. Good, and that gave him a, sure. a little bit of a new mission. And he and he's shown it this year with a title under his belt. What? He's got chance for number two on Wednesday night, and uh, yeah, he's a he's a he's a he's a very good human being. He just keeps things short, sweet, and petite. Well, wait a second. The, the PBA league thing, mm-hmm. right? So how is that determined? 
as far as who who drafts who. Isn't it drafted by the captain? It's drafted by the captain. So yeah, then it becomes a, yeah. right. So then it becomes a popularity in who my friends with. Yeah. And if that dude isn't real, you know, really going out of his way to make friends and talk or whatever else, and he's just doing his business and doing his deal, unless he's like top ten bowling or something like that, if he ain't hanging with these dudes. It probably is going to make it a little bit more difficult for somebody to want to draft him, Dwight. Yeah, they were guilty of that for years. I mean, uh, the Brunswick guys were all together. Yes. Tommy Jones always had Dave Waka on the team. There were a lot of people questioning why he always picked Dave Waka when there was so much other That's choices. One of them. Yeah. You know? It's, uh, yeah, the, the league dynamics, interesting, especially as first years, but it's, it's pretty much changed in the last couple of seasons. Yes, I noticed that. Because there's more money involved. Nobody talks about the money, but there's a decent amount of money involved. For that PBA league, and everybody wants to go to Bayside. I mean, if you you know you've made it, if you've got somebody chanting your name at Bayside, right? You know you've made it. And Sam's been there before, and Sam's got a pretty good record at Bayside as well. And that was kind of surprising to me that he didn't get drafted last year either. I mean, I've I've had team managers ask me. I went back and got stats from all the old TV show. I was going through for hours, getting fill percentage and strike percentage stuff like that. I've had player, I've had managers ask me for those stats. And a couple of them have used him because they know, oh, hey, this guy's done real well at Bayside. Sam's been there and he's done it. And it, I was kind of shocked he wasn't picked last year either. Well, we're going to find out because yeah. of how this is going to go going forward. But again, anytime you start getting to people picking their own teams, mm -hmm. it becomes mm -hmm. a popularity and a friendships thing to, yeah. yep. to a large degree. Like, for instance, Rash was never going to draft Belmonte if that would have been an option. Yeah, right. And Belmonte was never going to draft Rash. Even though like, he had a chance to win with Belmonte. Yes! Right. There was right. just uh, no chance. Yeah. They don't want to bowl together. They want to bowl against each other. That's right. what that rivalry... That was a rivalry on it and off the lane. That yes. was a true rivalry between yeah. two dudes. But you look at last year with the Dallas Strikers where Norm Duke drafts Santu to have an Einan. And that's where you start seeing, like, it's not a popularity contest anymore. I mean, there's a lot of guys that Norm could have drafted. And he talked to his team, and they go, you need to draft this kid. Yeah, he's amazing. And he was pretty much the game changer for those guys in Portland yes, and almost was. got them to take away the title. Did Norm even really Jackson. know him that much or no? Just from crossing past a little bit on tour. I that mean, last year was kind of Norm's retirement party. But there was so. no relationship, per se, or nothing like that. Not really. Just, right. hey, here's the, you know, Norm here's this finished kid bowling. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. Yeah, that's wild stuff. All right, so... uh Quickly here, we're already 20 minutes into the show. Uh, okay, so Sam Cooley over Tommy Jones, uh, 214 uh, to 200. Uh, then Jesper Svensson over Kyle Troop, 220 uh, to 210 in that one. Yeah. Uh, Belmonte over Simonson, 255 to 244. What are you yeah. going to do? That felt like two heavyweights going yeah, at it. It was. It was the two yeah. best bowlers of both teams. Well, Randy hit it right on the head. This is the match everyone wanted to see. Did Belmonte, I heard them talking about that. Did Belmonte say, um, Peterson, I should say, or Barnes, one of them, did one of them say that Belmonte was talking to Simonson about handing the torch over to him kind of uh, when Be yeah. Belmonte was done or whatever, yep. that it was going to kind of be Simonson at that point going forward? Belmo's very politically correct. He says the right things. Uh, he's very gracious, but um, there's also a few people out there that think it's his BS meter is way up there also. I'll tell you right now, here's some free advice. Free advice from Sparky. Okay, yep. here you go. Pay attention, Jason Belmonte, buddy, pal. This is the deal. Okay, I want you to go see the movie Air. Okay, it's in movie theaters, not Marcus movie theaters. Right. It's about the story of Nike, right? Michael Jordan, how that all came to be. And then Michael Jordan's brand, Michael Jordan brand, blew up onto its own 
version of Nike, right? And you've got Jumpman logo and different teams around college basketball are, are Jumpman logo teams. And then different NBA players are part of Jumpman brand and all that. Here you go, Jason. Here you go, buddy. Build your own brand now. Okay. So you're the first guy, right? You're the logo. You're the icon. Now go get Anthony Simonson to be the second guy as part of whatever this brand is going to be and start marketing Simonson, right? And part of Belmonte should be only two-handed bowlers are going to be a part of my brand going forward, but I'm going to push my marketing dollars and my money towards pushing whoever is under my brand going forward and to wear my merchandise, right? My jerseys, everything is going to be about my brand and build that brand out. Now, it's not going to get to the level of Jordan. It's bowling. But right. he could still expand on it. So even when he's done, he's still got money coming in because of these bowlers that are bowling under his brand. And Simonson would be perfect to mm -hmm. be that next guy under Agreed. that Belmo umbrella. Yeah. Agreed. Um, first off, I was thrilled to see a PBA uh, booth that was selling clothing. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter actually picked up on that. I said, did you see a PBA booth? She goes, yeah, Dad, you walked right past it. And I'm just like, so then on my way out, I was walking with Joe Swear on our way out, and I saw the booth, and I'm like, and there were people there, yeah. people buying. Yeah. So I thought of you right away, Sparky. Good. Good. Yeah, they were, it was, they were there all week during qualifying for the World Series. Yeah, you could go uh, H5G Brands because they're their official jersey provider, right. the PBA and merchandiser. Yeah, they were there all week. They had at least a couple people working, and they were selling all kinds of PBA merchandise, even stuff just for World Series of Bowling 14. So, yeah, it was. How was it turned out here. during the week? Sunday was a little slow, obviously Easter, you know, last Sunday. Right. Uh, and they kept picking up during the week. It was a little hard for me to get around on Friday night. Good. Running around with the camera and stuff between the the concourse room. The players had to keep their bowling balls up in the concourse because there's no room down in the settee area. So trying to dance around those and then dance around the fans and stuff like that. But it was worth it. The fans had a good time, and it was pretty crowded on Friday yep, night. That's awesome. All right, so my day over Simon, it's at 255 to 244. Dom Barrett over EJ Tech at 239 to 202. I've always been a big Dom Barrett fan. Uh, and again, Tack, it just fell apart. Yeah. I mean, that's, I I, I want to give credit to Dom Barrett. Obviously, he shot 239. So obviously, he didn't bowl bad in one. Yes. Uh, but Tack, it just wasn't very good. Well, you look at that whole day, and it could have been 3 2 walking out of there. U.S. still getting two points out of it because yeah. Tommy Jones had Simon's a chance match. in the 10th and didn't yep. do it. Simonson had a chance in the 10th, yep. didn't do it. I mean, it was that close to being yes. close 3 2. Matches. Yeah. Yep. Instead yep. of 5 0. Uh, and then uh, the world uh, obviously uh, defeats the USA in total. 928 to 856. So when we talk about the head to head matches, should there have been more given to them for winning the head to head matches, do you think, than was? Because it was more total than anything, right? Yeah. I, I thought it was good right where it was at. The one point makes sense to me. You still don't think it should have been one point for every match? Yep. I, I like the format. Right. So you yep. like that. Yeah. I thought it was. Set up correctly. I mean, you only had what seven matches to score points off of. They had to do something to make it a little bit, I guess you could say, unbalanced, heavier towards the doubles and team points because yeah. you had to make it so that the team hopefully mattered still by the time you got to it. Right. Right. Exactly. So, All right. So then you uh, get to FS1 uh, coming up on Sunday. It's Belmonte and yes, versus Fenson against Anthony Simonson and EJ Tackett. Uh, and yet again, uh, Belmonte and Svensson win 215 to 205. Go ahead. It, right. Uh, Phil brought it up earlier that he felt the crowd was a little on the dud side, but the feel that I had around the people that were, and then I was listening to the whispering was we were down 5-0 at that point. Um, it was going to have to be a huge comeback. We all thought in our mind it could happen, 
but it was going to take a lot of work and a lot of breaks to go our way. And that was your best chance were those two. Right. And so when they did get a strike, we did erupt. Um, It was loud. Um, But then they would come back right in the next frame with an open and it just would just just take all the wind out of our sails. I mean, that opening three bagger by the world again. It's just when you got Belmont yesterday and all of a sudden you get an open in there from the U.S. and just, yeah, you talk about taking the air out of the building. That's what I heard a lot. Immediately did it. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I heard a lot in the crowd. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Right. Because you knew. Mm -hmm. You knew what was about to happen. So they lose that one, 250 to 205. Uh, Then uh, you get to the alternate shot doubles. Kyle Troop and Tommy Jones uh, against Sam Cooley and Dom Barrett. Uh, And that one, uh, again, Cooley and Barrett had a chance to win that one and kind of choke that one away to allow open the door for uh, Tommy Joe or for Kyle Troop and Tommy Jones to win it. And obviously, like Phil pointed out, they desperately needed that. Right. Double in the 10th. Yep. Um, I was sitting right behind Joe Serrar and I whispered in his ear, double in seven. He needs a double in seven. So we were keeping score in the crowd. Also, we all knew what they needed. Sure. Um, but again, if, if Jones and Troop didn't show up, then what? You and know? again, Tommy Jones well, wasn't very good in that match either. No. And he he yeah, wasn't there was very good There was a lot either. of talk in the, in the crowd, Sparky, why he was captain's pick. That was one of my questions for Phil is who picked him as a captain? Tom, I would assume it's Tom and the rest of the PBA staff picked the captains. Okay. So between Belmo and Jones, yeah, that's yeah, all. Uh, also, a lot of social media fallout on uh, Tommy Jones being part of that team, that uh, they did not feel that he was going to be strong enough to go against their four. Agreed. Yeah, but, but but again, you could say the same thing about Don Barrett to a certain right. degree, yes. about Don Barrett being on that team, right? Okay, Don Barrett wasn't the captain yep. necessarily, and I don't know what went into picking Tommy Jones uh, as the captain one way or the other. You know what I kind of would have liked to see or maybe a, yeah. a different angle to it? Give me two retired guys as captains next time. Give me two retired guys. I, I, I guys a, that aren't on the yeah. PBA tour anymore. Maybe they're bowling in PBA 50 or whatever, right? I, I would have my take on it. Amaletto just, against Pete Weber or yeah. something well, like that. The, I don't yeah, know. they had Marshall Holman back in 2017 yep. as one right. of the captains for the U.S. Yep. I would have liked to have seen two captains that didn't bowl and then make the four the strongest four that you could possibly get. That would have been yeah. my take, that the captains would have been standing there being more the tour rep or the cheerleader like they do at, at Portland, Maine. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind that either. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was fine. I agree Tommy Jones probably wouldn't have been my pick necessarily to be a captain, but I'm sure there was some reason why they picked Tommy Jones to be the captain at the end of the day. Yeah. So it is what it is. Uh, okay, Baker team, uh, and this was world defeat in the U.S. Again, 209 to 188. And then 212 to 175. Uh, and that was scores pretty much indicated exactly how that one looked on TV uh, as well, Phil. Yeah, it was just once the USA got, I don't remember a single instance where once the USA got behind in the match, like other than the Jones, the, the Tommy Jones and the Simonson having a chance to start out in the 10th, where they came back to, to get ahead. I mean, the one match where they were ahead with the alternate shot doubles, it was a little back and forth. And, uh, you know, the late opening by Cooley let them sneak back in. That That's the only instance of, that come from behind win for the U.S. Of the U.S. guys, like, who bowled well? Oh, Troop. I, Troop was definitely Troop the MVP. Troop he just couldn't carry. That's the thing that, I mean, and that was going to be my next question for Phil, is it was brought up to me, are the PBA Brunswick pins a different weight than the, like a normal house pin? Because the carry seems so questionable on that show. No, no, uh, that's the same. Randy They're three eights up, to three Chris tens. Yeah. Okay. 
No, welcome to the 24 sided Spencer Bolero. was mixing everything up. Yeah, welcome to the 24 sided Bolero. For Reverend. Right, I'm just saying. I mean, he was yeah. mixing everything up. Spencer. You remember how tough it was to carry there back in the state match games days, right? Yeah, and won the 24. And it, yeah, it's it, it hasn't changed house. even with yeah. it hasn't changed even with synthetic lanes and synthetic pindex. Yeah, the it's house just, was built in '59. They put some synthetic lanes in in 2001 for women's yeah. nationals. So uh, Chris Barnes said on TV, highly worn HPL panel. Yeah. Right. So. And that's a high lineage house too, because they bowl a lot of tournaments there. Yeah, you got so there's a lot of bowling that's happening that there, and a ton of op- now it's a ton of open play. And those urethane house balls can do a lot more damage on a lane because they're all chewed up and everything than uh, than league bowlers bowling balls can. So here's a question for you. I'll go to both of you because I don't know the answer, obviously. So how long do these lanes last? Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. It's you know, when it, synthetic came out, you would always were thinking forever was the comment. Yeah. They never need to be refinished. Yeah. And then they realized shortly because of how aggressive the bowling balls got yes. that they the needed friction. to either, you know, there's some companies that can try to do a, a slight screen and recode on them, that type of thing. But mostly, I, you know, you start seeing places that are more than 10 years in with high lineage and the wear and tear, the, the, the fr- friction really increases. They've replaced lanes twice now at the National Bowling Stadium in Reno yes. with all the lines right. they've had there. Uh, and that, you know, that building's 25 or 28 years old now. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it, it, there's still wear and tear on it. It's just a matter of uh, most people don't see it because at the we don't have the rev rates at the pros and everything they do and don't right. use the most aggressive equipment we can at that point. And it was kind of a running joke this week, especially once it got the to Shark on Thursday and Friday right. for qualifying. Is that it wasn't what arrow you needed to hit or what board you needed to hit, it was what lane panel you were hitting. Yep. Because those house ball and you know, house bowlers just play it straight up fourth arrow. So you have this huge wear track on the right side. And you know, the only way they could fight it because the oil wear away so quickly between you know the age of the lane panels and the bowling balls was get to that next panel. And there you go. And there you, that's if, if you watched any of the of the bowl TV coverage. Or some of the highlights, other other uh, the PBA and Bull TV are putting out there, and some of the players. It was uh, it was it was turned into a law fest by the time I got to Friday. Yeah, Brad and Kyle posted a video that my daughter made me watch last night after the show. Even though we were there, I I still went back and we watched the show together during dinner. And there was a clip of um, a Japanese player, mm-hmm. and he was standing on the left lane, lofting the ball over the gutter capping Sparky. It had a land about seventeen to eighteen feet. Out onto the lane, he was Oof. well past the arrows. Sean Maldonado Friday night was easily aloft thirty feet. He was hitting that second. He was hitting well down that second panel to try to counteract the friction, early friction on those lanes. Yeah, it was. It was. It's it's incredible to watch. But then the thing is, you get it takes such a wear and tear in your body. I mean, there mm-hmm. were a couple of notable guys that didn't. Was it finish. low? Was it low? Low was out there, right? And lofting it out Wesley there. Low. Wesley Low. Wesley Low was lofting. Yeah, he was on. He guys. was on Twitter. He put up a video of himself lofting it yep. and said his back was getting sore from having to loft the damn ball out there as much as it was. Tommy he put that Jones, on social media. Yeah, Tommy Jones withdrew because it was just he was just physically beat up and he was he was well down the standings and he wasn't going to risk anything with USA versus the world. Tom Doherty was the cash number for the World Championship with five games ago on Friday and he said, "I can't take it with my back anymore. I'm done." Sean Rash was real ginger by the time Friday night came around after 55 I games bet. earlier in the day. Dude, that is and he almost long. had he almost had a three he almost had a 300 Friday night. That is a long yeah. haul, y'all. Like, yeah, I know a lot of you are like, oh, it's just bowling. The, the hell with that. That is a yeah, long try haul to have physically. a physical bowler try to loft the gutter capping consistently 
18 to 20 feet out on the lane yes. for three games. That's yeah. crazy. That's just nuts. All right, uh, let's go over the uh, the, the, the three animal pattern shows here. Yeah. All right, Scorpion Championship. We'll start there. Uh, this one comes up on Tuesday night. Jacob Buttruff is your one seed. Mm-hmm. EJ Tackett, the two. Santu, the three. Uh, Anthony Simons in the four. And Jesper uh, is the five seed. Who do we like there, Phil? Got to go with Butters. Have to go with Butters in that pattern. He had such a, a really good look at that pattern. And he's the the momentum he has in this World Series right now is going to be tough to stop. He was 83rd after the first 10 games on Cheetah. And he made the show That's on crazy. Cheetah. And it just kept going until the last, until, and he had a chance to make the, the shark pattern show too Friday night. And he just hit a couple of pairs. And he, they, had, they had weird pacing too because they had two guys in their pair drop out of the tournament. So they only had three on a pair and they're waiting on pairs that had five. And then he's up just pacing up down the, 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 the concourse just to stay loose. That's wild. And it just kind of, it just kind of got him in the end, but yeah, I got to go with butters for that, for that scorpion show is, is, is good of a look as he had on it. And he's not going to have all, he's going to have one lefty to deal with. It depends on how far Jesper gets. Right. All right. What's your pick? Dwight? I think it could be two lefties in the finals. I think it could be Swenson versus butcher in the finals. Uh, another interesting part of that clip in that video that my daughter showed me last night was Brad and Kyle talking about Santu. And then we talked about this weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, uh, this was the question I was waiting for all day to ask Phil in that clip. He talked about Santu throwing 15 pounds on one lane and 14 pounds on the other. Is that just to try to get as much airtime as possible? No, there were several guys that depending on the carry they were looking to get, there were, there were several guys this week that were changing ball weights. And he was one of them. Uh, there was another notable one that is now unfortunately slipping my mind because it's once again sixty games of, of watching these guys. <laughs> but there were there were there were there were three players at least that I know of that were changing ball weight uh, just because of the carry they were experiencing. If they thought the ball was going to snap hard, maybe they were yeah. wanted to make sure the ball was a fourteen pounder so they could trip, get a little extra deflection, and trip yeah. the four. That's what I'm thinking. So yeah, there were there's there's guys that are learning that now. That, that's an old trick from the days of the of the. Asian players that had the spinner release, yeah, the helicopter release, the helicopter release yeah. where they would change ball weight to change their carry. And now some of these guys are, are kind of trying to do that too on occasion. Interesting. All right. So Monday night show, uh, the cheetah championships as Phil referred to BJ Moore is the one tack at the two Joseph Grandin. I think that's how you say his name is the three yep. Jacob Buttrip, the four and AJ Johnson, the five Phil, what do you got? BJ Moore. He was, he was tough on that cheetah unless you know, EJ You can pick the one seed in every one of these. On the first two, yeah. No, okay. On All the right. first two, I'm going to. Plant shock. All right, what do you got, Dwight? <laughs> uh, possibly EJ. Uh, it could be EJ versus uh, BJ uh, in the final. Uh, that sounds funny, huh? TJ versus EJ. <laughs> no, don't uh, there's an AJ, too. Yeah, it was DJ Archer. It was DJ Archer to make that one. And... But, yeah, I, I think it, the thing that's interesting with Cheetah is that the, the righties that did make it, hook it quite a bit. Usually Cheetah's always been kind of like that Eugene McCune, Norm Duke right. from yeah. the outsides. And you got these guys now starting it at 15, getting it to three or four, about 40, 50 feet down the lane. Well, the interesting part this week is once again, the lane surface at Bolero, everybody starting early outside. And then all of a sudden when they got enough carry down and push that developed and the fronts went away because the urethane transfers the oil so quickly Yes, from the back. And then you see the 20 board jumps at resin. It was it was like you could almost call it by the middle of game two. Everybody's out <laughs> almost everybody's out your thing, and there's a whole bunch of guys going to resin and 
you know, making it look like it's uh chameleon or something. I mean, right. with just, you know, how they were playing it. So yeah, that lane surface had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Lane service had a lot to do with that Valero this week. I'm going to go with EJ. You're going to go with EJ mm-hmm. in that one as well. Mm-hmm. How much should I be buying in that EJ Taggett's going to figure this out? Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't exactly well, a great weekend for EJ Tackett, but anytime yeah. the oil pattern changes, that could change how well a guy bowls. Fell. Yeah, it's, I mean, EJ, when he got, got offset yesterday, I mean, he was not happy with the no. result. It was, th- this wasn't just an exhibition for these guys. I mean, they wanted to win for the country. I mean, EJ was visibly upset that uh, about what happened, especially in the team event, and he just kind of went, as put his balls down and just went and got air and you know, yeah. just got away from everybody for a little bit before he started signing autographs. Um, I think once he gets just the after morning, I mean, he, 60 games right into TV shows, I think now he's going to get close to a full 24 hours of rest before he has to show up for practice for the cheetah tonight. And, and, I think he's going to have a, a new mental outlook. I think, you know, oh, I hope and, good. and again, the tour reps will be back. That's true too. That should help. Well, All right. So, EJ didn't, he, I talked to him and he said, I told Brett to go home because it's one pair of lanes. I can figure this out. We're with on, you know, the, all week long for the 60 yeah. games. You needed that help to know what was going on in the other pairs. EJ thought he could have figured it out on his own with, and he, he kind of did. He just didn't physically execute. And, you know, I think EJ is one of those guys where it, it, he doesn't really need the second set of eyes more than if they see something he really doesn't see, then it's going to come and play. But EJ is more once he's out there. He'll ask the question to Brett. Brett won't pose, do this. EJ yes. will go, what did you see? Where a lot of ball reps, you see him come up and go, hey, this, 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 this. It's a I, little different relationship for EJ and Brett. Yeah, we also noticed in the crowd, Sparky, how many of the pros turned to the right and looked at strike track after every one of the shots. And these guys weren't missing by much. Um, uh, maybe a slight fluctuation in ball speed when the lanes were transitioning. For them not to hit the pocket and still hitting the same board every shot, yeah, you try that at home. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, let's go to the uh, Shark Championship pattern. That's what comes up on Wednesday night. Uh, Matt Ogle. Uh, and then we have Packy Hanrahan, Anthony Simonson, Santu, and Sam Cooley uh, in the Shark Championship pattern. Ogle and Packy Hanrahan and Simonson just been on TV show after yes. TV show after TV show early on here, yeah. Bill. Yeah, and I think Simonson, with some of what he found later in that Shark pattern, and the comfort of staying on one pair, I really think this could be the one where we see a guy come up from a little lower in the ladder and take home the mm-hmm. title. Right. Looks okay, right. what do you got there? Simo. Simo as he well. He knows how to win, uh, maybe figures it out. Um, but look at that; those five on that show, though, all team rev rate. How big of a deal is it if, if Santu wins uh, a couple of I shows here? great. You know, I love his game. Another two-hander. I love uh, his hair. <laughs> I wish I had his hair. I, 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 I never, my hair would never look like that, but... <laughs> I mean, to have that much curl to your hair and that whole thing. I mean, yeah. like Troop's got his hair signature. Yeah. I mean, he could obviously have that kind of be his signature going forward as well. And please, please, Iceman, shave that beard. I, <laughs> I just, it drove me nuts. It just did. It's not my facial hair. It's your facial well, hair. What you want? Sam Cooley had a big beard too. Um, yeah, but Svensson, yeah. you knew what Svensson looked like when he yes. was clean shaven, when he right. was up and coming. Like, why well, would you? You know, you know, it's funny is that somebody put a meme on, on social the other week going Anthony Simonson before beard, like right. no titles, no majors. And all of a sudden, Simonson with beard, all these titles. And that five makes majors. sense. Fine. Yeah. 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 It's that's kinda, fine. Kinda, so maybe maybe he's kind of trying to everybody see all oh, he's, you know, not that bowlers are superstitious or anything. I don't right. care about Simonson having a beard. I'm talking yeah. about Svensson. That, yeah. that, 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 that's the one, the Iceman. That, that's yeah. the, that, I just, 
or shave it like closer, you know, so it's a little bit closer and neater. Like, I feel like something's going to grow out of it. Yeah. Uh, he is Dwight Albrecht. Uh, he is Phil Bryla. You can follow them on Twitter, Dwight at Dewey 300, Phil at Brew City Bowling. Thanks for checking out another edition of Spare Time Bowling uh, Podcast. We're going to have another special edition coming up on Friday morning. We'll record another one uh, as we get through the week here of World Series of Bowling uh, in Milwaukee. So you can look for another uh, drop podcast coming up on Friday afternoon. Have a good one, everybody. Toodles.